Topic 3, First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in December 2018. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic Number 3, First Paper by honorable h p cheatham how can the friendly relations now existing between the two races in the south be strengthened and maintained men who attain to real leadership and those who lift as they climb broad in mental resource generous and strong in manly impulse they forget self and become the embodiment of principles that made genuine progress and win the hearts of their comrades by compelling force of character and personal magnetism promoting the well-being of a race multiplying the happiness of the individual these captains of moral thought practically accept the duty marked out by the great teacher and quote, cause two blades of grass to grow where but one grew before. End quote. Such a man as pictured above is Henry Plummer Cheatham, one of the most successful forces in the public life of the twentieth century Negro. His career has been visited by success because he has richly deserved it. Mr. Cheatham was born in Henderson, North Carolina, some forty odd years ago. He was educated in the public schools of his county and at Shaw University of his native state. He was a promising lad, and with prophetic spirit laid deep the foundation upon which a brilliant character was to be built. His first public office was that of registrar of deeds in his native county. So conspicuous was his work, and so worthy did he impress himself upon the judgment of the people. Mr. Cheatham was nominated and elected to the 51st Congress, and was again chosen to sit in the 52nd Congress when president mckinley reached the white house one of his earliest appointments was that of mr cheatham to be recorder of deeds for the district of columbia a post which has come to be regarded as carrying the insignia of leadership in the political councils of the race that he has performed his duties capably and zealously goes without saying he is an ardent adherent of the merit system and in both appointments and promotions the merit system has been his invariable guide declining to be influenced by considerations of person politics religion or color he has been instrumental in enrolling more afro-americans upon the government roster than any other negro living mr cheatham is a positive race man and is a foremost champion of the idea that the negro's best development must come along natural lines and that material progress is as much the result of sensible and persistent individual effort as of legislation and adventitious aid he believes in practical education for the masses technical education for the captains of professional thought and industrial leadership he is unusually effective upon the stump and has been heard with pleasure and profit in many states during national campaigns and now mr cheatham's article prosperity to a nation is most secure when all elements and classes of that nation are at peace one with the other 
Christianity reaches the height of its sacred mission when the spirit of cooperation and brotherly love is most conspicuously in evidence. National prestige and the influence of a people in the councils of the world are invincible when the contributing forces of the land are happy and united. The problems of civilization are solved when wars are silenced and rumors of wars are heard no more america as we have come to call the land of our birth has not grown to her present proud proportions upon flowery beds of ease her strong place among the powers of the earth has not been gained without resort to martial strife but it is a gratifying fact that up to this hour every struggle against outside foes has made american people stronger from within and every victory in our long unbroken line of successful campaigns has bred a warmer spirit of homogeneity and knit us together in closer bonds as a national unit foreign foes offer our country no danger to-day our army and navy are without peers upon the globe and despite our marvellous sketch of coastline we have nothing to fear from foreign invasion the disease that threatens us most is from within if salvation be needed we must pray to be saved from ourselves to make clean our hearts to face in proper spirit the duty that lies before us should be the earnest supplication of every true american citizen a spirit of unity is our urgent need at the opening of the twentieth century thanks to the wise economic policies of those entrusted with the reins of legislation and government our country is enjoying a period of unexampled commercial prosperity business is booming money is easy crops are abundant and labor is receiving a fair return for energy expended but in our mad rush for the material things of life are we not forgetting the spiritual wants of the citizen are we not neglecting the moral qualities that make nations enduring and the principles that must live when cities decay and dynasties cease to be in fine are we not veering too far from the altruism of our fathers in the apparent subordination of human rights to the acquisition of power and of wealth this dangerous ambition breeds in our midst socialism and industrial unrest exemplified in strikes and lockouts it fosters anarchy a spirit of lawlessness from which but a few weeks ago the nation suffered the loss of a beloved chief magistrate it stirs up racial antagonisms and defies the ameliorating influences of christian brotherhood all difficulties surrounding our labor problems however are easy of solution for while capital and mechanical industry may be frequently at war for one reason or another the outbreaks are merely sporadic and short-lived they are invariably adjusted from time to time either through arbitration or equitable concessions capital and industry are of one color and the complications are purely superficial the one contention that passeth all understanding and which defies the skill of the ethnologist the psychologist and all who deal with the ancestral or philosophical aspects of mankind is the race problem i say race problem advisedly because sociologists in analyzing the issues growing out of the relations between the white american and the colored american have eliminated from the discussion all difficulties surrounding their settlement save the impossible effacement of race or color all have admitted that the bronzed american may have character intellect capacity 
wealth industry and comeliness yet he is a social pariah because of his social identification a problem that otherwise would be simple is thus converted into a perpetual issue by reason of race and hence we have a race problem the race issue is particularly acute at the south not because the southern negro differs materially from his northern brother in character or attainments but because in the southern states the negro abounds in the greatest numbers and because upon her fertile soil he was once held in bondage as a slave the negro came to be regarded as one whose inferiority must continue from generation to generation the civil war brought freedom in its wake and one of its results was to clothe the emancipated servitor with the full vestments of citizenship by proclamation and legislation the ex-slave was made the political equal of his white master and if numbers are to be counted the slave class became the superior force in the reconstructed southland that the new negro citizen was honest and well-meaning no one doubts it must be confessed however that the masses were ignorant of the high responsibilities charged to them and it is but natural that many mistakes were unwittingly made indeed the wonder is not that so many errors could be laid at the door of the amateur statesmen lawmakers and suffragists but that more grievous blunders were not made the result all things considered is highly creditable to the heads and hearts of the leaders of that trying epoch the masters did not take kindly to the seeming domination of their former bondmen the anomalous situation was made infinitely worse by the gross frauds and maladministration of northern white carpetbaggers who misled the trusting negro into false channels and bred in the minds of the landowners and former slave magnates a bitter hatred for all that savored of the negro and the party that they held responsible for their humiliation readers of history are familiar with the stirring scenes that went abreast with the efforts of the whites to free themselves from the consequences of the war with the accession of president hayes came the restoration of the democracy to local control in the southern states all are acquainted with the reign of terror and the depredations of red-shirted adventurers and night raiders the instinct of white supremacy solidified that section and later came the era of lynchings general disorder prevailed wherever the racial problem was brought actively to the fore of late we have heard much of constitutional conventions and the press has been filled with arguments pro and con as to the necessity for eliminating the negro from politics or abridging his right to vote there has been going on for years a seething cauldron with the negro as the burning impulse but evidence is gradually accumulating to warrant the belief that a healthier atmosphere is coming out of the storm passions cool after full vent is given and the sober second thought of races and nations invariably makes for peace for law and for justice upon this established principle of metaphysics the negro must base his hope for happier results in the near future the south has awakened to its vast opportunities and there seems to be a well-defined and determined effort on the part of the intelligence the culture and the wealth of that section to make the most of its bountiful resources the commercial era opening in the south gradually bringing into control the conservators of christianity of peace and of civil equity will develop better conditions for the negro 
for among the aristocracy among the landowners and moneyed classes the black man has always found his best friends and most ardent sympathizers they understand the negro more thoroughly than many negroes understand themselves and the facts will bear me out in saying that when our people have needed advice or have appealed for aid for churches schools and for industrial opportunities the high-grade white classes of the south have never turned a deaf ear they have never been wanting in their approval of the self-respecting thrifty and law-abiding negro and have always been ready to encourage him in the acquirement of a home a farm or other real property frequently lending the money for the first large payment many times they have exerted their influence to guarantee fair play for such negroes in the courts even when their causes were laid against a white man or where white men had accused them of a crime it cannot be denied that injustice has been practised against us in all sections of the south and it is also true that the negro's ignorance and credulity have made him an easy prey to the unscrupulous but ignorant whites have suffered likewise for he that knoweth little no matter what his race is a natural victim of the sharper with the keenest of sleuths in our detective departments of the north and with courts and juries of unimpeachable integrity crime stalks boldly in its greatest cities and arrogant corruption goes unwhipped of justice so in the southland there are crimes and criminals and the law will be powerless to bring them to book until a nobler sentiment is created by the supremacy of the better classes and the relegation of the riotous element through the vigorous and constant efforts of the rightful rulers of the south the educated and peace-loving citizenry in no case has any outrage against negroes been given the approval of any responsible officer of the law violations of the letter and spirit of the statutes are committed over the protest of the authorities and those who desire the aggressive execution of all the laws in the future must exercise more care in the selection of men entrusted with the power of administration more attention must be paid to the character and personal fitness of candidates standing for office the negro can and will help to do this the regeneration of existing conditions among the whites must come from an enlightened public spirit and a broader culture such as are being bred through the public schools and through the introduction of improved methods in business and social life first-class white men must take hold of the reins of government throughout the southland the negro is an imitative creature and he takes on the color of his environment if it be charged that he is frequently immoral dishonest and shiftless the dissolute whites with whom he has been closely identified have furnished a model that he has copied only too faithfully let the christian element become a more prominent factor in state affairs and the negro will at once grow in character and address by virtue of the inspiring example thus set for him this phase of the negro problem carried to its logical conclusion becomes the white man's problem will the southern american rise in his majesty dismiss his prejudice and prove equal to the lofty duty allotted to him will he give the negro a man's chance in the battle of life and depend upon his own natural gifts of mind and heart for his supremacy the political phase of the race problem i shall touch but briefly there is no call for the negro to get out of politics as the term is popularly used 
the fact is the negro should begin to get into politics in the truest sense of the word that is to begin at the a b c of political power and come up by the usual processes of individual development the suffrage is a privilege conferred by the state states make certain restrictions for their own protection as sovereign commonwealths although it is unfortunately a fact that the restrictions are enforced more rigidly against black illiterates and black non-property holders than against the whites of similar deficiencies the conditions are there and can only be fought down by intelligently meeting the requirements whatever they may be no educated negro is refused the right of suffrage by any constitutional enactment no property owner is made to feel himself outlawed by virtue of suffrage restrictions the moral is plain get education be thrifty and economical get lands and money get character and personal culture these qualities united pass as good coin in any state north or south they go far to minimize the disadvantages of color everywhere without them no race is strong anywhere they are potent in allaying the race feeling aggravated by too many of us through voting under the leadership of scheming politicians who are opposed to the best interests of the masters of the southern soil and who have no use for black men except on election day in the matter of suffrage i would suggest that the black voter place himself in touch with his white neighbors the interests of each are identical it is of far greater importance to the negro to have the friendship respect and confidence of his next-door neighbor than who shall be president of the united states it is of more moment to him who shall be sheriff or member of the state legislature and city council than who shall go to congress this suggests that the negro use clear judgment in casting his ballot and that he use that instrument to identify himself with the law-abiding and progressive forces about him the negro's natural home will ever be in the south the careful exercise of suffrage in promoting interests of that section eliminating partisan bitterness and vengeful spirit will be one of the most powerful agencies in maintaining and strengthening friendly relations between the races there further let the negro make for himself a place in the business world let him develop hotels groceries stores and shops of all kinds thus affording employment to our competent young men and women let him perfect himself in the useful arts till the soil and become an indispensable factor in the uplift of the community which he calls home the farmer the artisan the industrious wage-earner form the backbone of racial progress for they support the church are patrons of the schools and are steady conservers of public morals from this firm centre a lever is furnished which holds up the house of the minister the editor the teacher physician the artist the lawyer and all of the so-called polite professions let the negro build up his own social circle and strive to perfect it through an exemplary home life while a part of the general social system the negro people can be to the whites as booker t washington so well puts it separate as the fingers in social contact but one as the hand in all that tends to sustain and improve the state and nation in short let the white man be just if he cannot be generous let him give the negro what is due him 
weigh him honestly as to character and manly worth let the negro be patient persevering philosophical thrifty self-respecting and far-seeing brains and energy will eventually win their legitimate place in the equation of civic virtue and the forces of right will gravitate the one towards the other just as the flowering plant turns to the sunlight in peaceful conditions nurtured by mutual sympathy mutual suffering and mutual triumphs will be forged a bond that shall in due season draw the best in each of the great races of the south in closer and more friendly communion our beloved america shall throw off the shameful shackles of racial prejudice progress towards a sweeter civilization will be the watchword for all then there shall be indeed and in truth for every class color condition and section in this land one god one country and one flag there is hope ahead end of topic three first paper